welcome to Your Best Riding Life, an extension of the Blue Ridge Mountains Christian Riders Conference held in the beautiful Blue Ridge Mountains of North Carolina. I'm your host, Linda Goldfarb, and each week I bring you tips and strategies from experts in the writing and publishing industry to help you excel in your craft. And I'm so very glad that you're listening in today. Today we're going to be talking about how to write Bible studies, and I'm going to add on and do it well. This is a great topic, great topic. My industry expert is Katie Kaufman. Katie is an award-winning author, Bible teacher, and editor of Refresh Bible Study Magazine, a co-author of Lighthouse Bible Studies. She graduated from Luther Rice Seminary with a BA in religion. Katie contributes to three blogs on writing. She loves to combine art and scripture, and she hosts a Facebook group called My Artsy Tribe, that practices hand lettering, and guess what she also does? She posts her creativity on social media. You're so going to want to check out everything she does. And yes, I'll have all those links in the show notes. Right now, I'm happy to welcome Katie Kaufman. Katie, it's so good to have you here. Thank you for having me today. All right. So Katie, what we do with our first-time industry experts is I want you to kind of divulge a little bit about yourself, kind of give us a little peek into the life behind the curtain of, of Katie. So is there a fact that you could share with us that maybe most people wouldn't read in your bio? Okay. Well, I grew up taking preset Bible studies. My very first one was on the Gospel of John for kids. And I got to meet Kay Arthur when I was nine years old. That was the year that we started homeschooling. And so my mom took me to the Chattanooga campus and she was afraid that maybe she might get in trouble having a child with her in the classroom. And sure enough, Kay Arthur spotted us and she came over to where we were sitting. But she said, hey to me. And she said, what's your name? And um, I told her and she said, my name is Kay Arthur but you can call me pretty aunt K. And then oh. she said that, isn't that funny? And she it. said that I could um, draw a picture of whatever she was talking about that day and show her after class. So I don't remember what she was talking about, but I do remember the picture. It was of a sea and some fish and a boat and disciples. And then I got to meet her in my 20s at a preset for life convention. And I waited in the line for the book signing. And mm -hmm. I told her that story once I got up there. And I didn't know how she was going to sign the book. But when I looked down, she put Pretty Aunt Kay. Oh, what a great memory. Yes. Okay, so I'm like real stoked that you started doing precept studies at the age of nine. That is amazing. And I wish more young ladies and more young men would do that. We really do need to grasp the precepts as we are growing. And that's a perfect age. Perfect age. Yes. Thank you. And, yes. And I'm sure that it has benefited you over the years too. Oh, I loved it. Getting started that early studying scripture. I like getting out the colored pencils and marking the pages of scripture and looking for things. So Bible studies should be anything but boring. We can look for what God has planted in scripture. And then that gives us ideas of what to write about. Oh, I love that. Bible study is anything but boring. Oh, very, very good. Well, today, that's what we're looking at. We're looking at how to write a Bible study. So I'm going to start off with what may seem a simple question. Why is it so important for authors to write Bible studies today, Katie? 
Scripture is a manual for living. When my mom and I taught eighth grade Sunday school at our former church, one of the girls in the class said that. My mom said, now, why is Scripture so important for us today? And her name was Shanae, and she said, the Bible is a manual for everyday living. And we were like, mm -hmm. yeah, how'd you know that? And she said, my dad told me that. So he was teaching her right, and she remembered it. And so for us, Scripture shows us how things work, what's important and why. It shows us what God wants us to do, how to build satisfying relationships, what the possibilities are in everyday life with God, how to receive eternal life. So it's a privilege to be able to study with Him, period, but then to turn around and share that with other people. Oh, and I like that because this is what we learn as we grow in our relationship with the Lord is that we go to him first for the truth. We go to him for the answers. I know there's several times that I have told my children and even telling my grandchildren, whatever answers you need, they're going to be in the Bible. You're going to find mm -hmm. them and God's truth is what we can depend on when everything else in life seems undependable. So mm -hmm. writing the Bible studies does take a little bit of knowledge as to how it should be laid out, what is a good flow for a Bible study. I know that you have seven Bible study tools that you like to use when you write studies. Would you share with us what those are? And then if you have a favorite one, go ahead and tell us what that would be too. Okay. So the first tool is key persons looking in a chapter of scripture and seeing who are the main characters and how did they interact with each other and what can we learn from their story or from their character, either as a good example or a negative example. Then the next tool is God's names. So God's names are so precious because they show us who he is. So if God put a particular name for himself in a chapter, he did that on purpose. So we can see what is the context and what is the story or what, what are the truths that are being told? What can I learn about God from his names? The third tool is repeated words and phrases. I enjoy hunting for those. So in John chapter 15, the word abide is mentioned several times. So we see a theme, okay, of abiding in Jesus and abiding in his love. So if God says something once, we need to pay attention, of course. But if he repeats it, then he's emphasizing that in a chapter or a passage. And then you have contrast and comparisons. So contrast being opposites. And comparisons being things that are alike. And a signal word for that is like or as when God is comparing two things in scripture. But you can also look for the word pictures. So these tools, they give us um, understanding and they also give us ideas for our own writing. So if we see a word picture, a metaphor, a scripture like Jesus is the good shepherd, we come to know him better through that picture. And then we can use that in our writing. Then you have definitions, cross-references, and commentary notes. Definitions happens to be my favorite. I use a particular computer software for Bible study for my own quiet time or for writing, and it's called Online Bible. And it, you don't have to be online to use it. They just named it that before the internet was really a thing. But it's <laughs> using it on your, on your computer, and you can find it at onlinebible.net. And so I can... Um, get up a passage of scripture and hit the S on my keyboard and all the Strong's numbers appear next to the words. And then I can hover my mouse over a Strong's number and the definition appears in a little window. And so I just love to see the richness of a verse by looking at those definitions. 
It just helps you to understand better. And I also like using Webster's Dictionary to look up definitions because it seems to have an inspirational or Christian slant that mm. those who put it together, they knew certain words have a spiritual meaning or they brought in some Bible knowledge when they crafted those definitions. So definitions are my favorite. And then another thing is making lists. And I love this. Uh, I like to do Bible study, making a list of reasons, you know, to trust God or ways to have peace. Uh, you don't always have to number a list in your writing. You can't have it in paragraph form. But one time I was reading through Philippians at night and I kept seeing joy repeated in that book, of course, but also different attitudes that you can have that renew your joy. So I made a list, you know, from Paul's perspective on life and for what God was saying we need to do. And there were 20 joy renewing attitudes. And that gave me an idea for a book. So these, so so what, what book did you, is, did it give you the idea for? So I would love to write a Bible study for women on renewing joy in tough times. And then I thought, well, hey, we could apply this to the writer's life, you know, because we sometimes we just want to write, but we also have to blog or we have to build our platform. So renewing joy in your writing ministry. And then Mm. I thought, hey, we could do this for the artsy group, too. So I've got like three book ideas on the same book of the Bible. No, that and that is perfect, because when we take his word, when we take his truth and we're not reinventing it but we're redistributing it into lifestyle, into as we go, into our daily application. And that's what you're doing here. That's everything that I'm, I'm hearing you say. So this is fabulous. This is really like good. That. Okay, what, what next? Well, I like that, the redistributing. is like you think about your target audience and what are they going through? What needs do they have? And how does this book of the Bible or this topic speak to them? And then you tailor that application for your audience. Amen. Amen. The last thing is application. And that is the heart of Bible study. We never want to write about scripture without it. So how does scripture apply to life today? So as we study, we can write down a sentence from a verse, just application that we see. We could write down application for a whole chapter or a whole book of the Bible to give it a theme. And my mom has done that with the New Testament. She's given every book of the Bible a theme and then every chapter a theme that fits into the book theme. And then every paragraph, one line um, application should probably get me if she knew I was talking about it. But it's called A Whole Lot of Wonderful, A Whole Lot of Wonderful Application in the New Testament for Today. And I actually use that as a resource when I study and write. So Mm -hmm. I go and see, okay, this is my chapter and this is my section in that chapter. And what kind of application did she find? And we we always need to capture what God is showing us to write it down because we may forget. So we can keep a notebook or uh, files on our computer, but to write down what he's showing us. And I enjoy praying through the application. It just personalizes Mm -hmm. it. And I, I keep a prayer journal. And then sometimes I'm like, oh, Lord, can I use that in the book? Because I just liked how that was worded to pray through this application. So mm. for my Bible study on Second Timothy, each Bible study devotion ends with a prayer that personalizes that verse. And again, you're just diving deeper. Folks, I guess for me, it's so important because as, as we get older chronologically, 
we realize there's not as many available dates ahead of us than maybe there are behind us. And Katie, with what you're sharing with me and just your exuberance in this area, it ignites hope in me for young people and for those that are young at heart to really take the concepts of scripture and to extrapolate them out and to study them for the purpose of not just knowledge, but life application. When you said, hey, God, would it be okay if I use this in my Bible study? (laughs) That's a conversation. And it's a conversation, Katie, that not many people know how to have because maybe God is not as intimate as he can be in their life. And it's not because God hasn't chosen it. I really believe it's that many of us don't realize that that is a relationship that he wants us to have. But when we invest ourselves in Bible study, when we seek his word, his reason, his understanding, his purpose, his opportunities, and then that becomes alive to us. And it's in that that you and I can can kind of giggle about this where I sit in my time. I don't always call it quiet time because God doesn't always give me quiet in my time with him. <laughs> but but in that time, I have those moments of being his little girl and saying, okay, well, you know, Yahweh, what do I do with this? How do, how do I move forward in this? And I listen for him mm-hmm. and he points me in the direction. But I have to be in his truth. I have to be in his word. I have to open up the Bible and I have to discover that intimate relationship for myself. So I just want to say thank you. Thank you for what you're bringing to us today. And thank you for just sharing your passion because I hear it in your voice. And so it just made me feel really good for a moment there. So I just, I'm <laughs> sorry, you. folks. Just had to have this moment here, okay? That's kind of well, what we do. I love what you said about listening. Um, and that's something that God told me recently was to listen. Because I thought there's so much I can do, you know, for quiet time, just personal study and then preparing to write. And which one do I choose? Which project? And I always have a personal meditation time before I prayed, that's just me and God and not on anything ministry related, but he said to listen. And so it's like, he guides us through this process and he teaches us and and the pieces of the puzzle come together in our understanding. And then we get to turn around and share that with others. So thank you for that point. Oh, well, thank you. We're just having sharing here, folks. (laughs) This is what, this is what it's about. When we talk about truth, when we talk about God's word, it's not just a subject, it's a lifestyle. Yes. This, is, this is what we choose. This is what we choose. So in our fall conference, starting September 30th, we're actually going to go into more detail about these Bible study tools, and we will launch a special Zoom group that will use the tools together. So if anyone's interested, they could come to our conference. It's free. It'll be online online. 
And then we will spend that first day, it's a Thursday, talking about the Bible study tools and building blocks for how to write Bible studies. And then we will have a Zoom group to practice those things together. Oh, this is great. And you know, Katie, I know that you and your family, and I love that you have a family business, um, <clears throat> that you do, you offer so much for free because you know the value in what everyone is going to gain. And mm -hmm. it's just, it's powerful. Free in this case is not a sign of unworthiness. It's a sign of an abundance and overflowing folks. So anytime that you can attend one of the conferences that Katie is involved in, and this is through the, this is this through the Lighthouse Bible Studies? Yes, ma'am. Okay. Then that is, you need to be in, involved in, if you're doing Bible study, anything to do with Bible study, you need to participate in this. And we do have all that information in the show notes. So that was a momentary aside there, but very, very timely. And now, Katie, you talked about the that you're going to cover the major building blocks for developing a Bible study. Could you share some of those building blocks with us here today? Yes. Okay. So there are 10 building blocks, and I like to talk about the first five. And we will go into more detail at the conference. But the first five, you start with a clear main idea that is related to Scripture. So I like to encourage writers to write down the main point of their piece of writing, whether it's a chapter or an article or a blog post, write it down, give it a subject and a verb. So you know exactly where you're headed. And those Bible study tools can give us ideas to write about. So the first building block is a clear main idea. Then you have scripture. So if it's an article, it's going to be a verse or a short passage. But if you're writing on the book of the Bible, then that would be your scripture. If it's a topic, then you'll want to make a list of scriptures that deal with your topic. And then you could have cross-references for those main scriptures. The third building block is takeaway. This is what is relevant to your audience. What gives them value? What can they take away from your book or from your article and practice in everyday life? This could be in the form of insights, encouragement, motivation, inspiration, how-tos, explanation of scripture, applying scripture to life today, knowing how spiritual things work, and so on. So you've got a clear main idea for your Bible study, the scripture you're going to use, and then take away. Then you, the fourth building block is elements or ingredients that accomplish your purpose for writing. So if you want to explain scripture, or if you want to encourage your audience or comfort them, you're going to pick the ingredients that fit your purpose. And so the list of those ingredients we have in our download for the listeners, and we'll also talk about those at the conference. And they are stories, not just for your lead in, but even after a, a writer gives scripture, and their Bible study articles for our magazine, I love it when they include a story as an illustration. So you have stories, life experience, examples, um, definitions and cross-references, how-tos, the reasons to practice what you're saying. You could show cause and effect. If you do this, then this will happen. Maybe either the good blessings from following God or the negative blessings if we choose, or the negative consequences if you choose something else. You can give problems and solutions, um, statistics. So you pick the ingredients 
for each chapter, each article that fits your purpose. And then the fifth building block is a lead-in. You want to capture the reader's attention at the beginning of your article or at the beginning of your chapter. And there are four types of lead-ins. You've got a story, which could be from your own life or someone else's, or say an illustration from nature. Um, God plants all kind of spiritual truths in creation. Amen. So you've got a story, then you've got maybe a question. You could start your book with, have you ever, dot, 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 or why is it so hard that, and then fill in the blank. So draw the reader in with a question. It, it shouldn't be a yes or no answer, but something that gets them thinking about your topic. And then they want to learn more. Like, what are you going to say about that? The third way to start could be a statistic that you show the need for your book or the, the reason why people have this felt need, that this percentage of people deal with this, and then you fill in the blank. And then the fourth thing is an inspiring quote. So when I first started writing, I bought a book of positive quotations, and it's, it was divided by topics. And I went through there and looked at quotes for courage or quotes for faith or endurance. So a lead-in could start with a quote that you build on. So those are the first five building blocks, a clear main idea, scripture, takeaway, ingredients that accomplish your purpose, and then a lead-in. This is good. And I will tell you, I'm, I'm looking at the five that you've given me and I'm going, this is a lot. I can do a lot with just the five that you've given me. Mm -hmm. So I can't imagine what the other five are going to do for me. And you offering for any of our listeners to come and experience the conference that you're going to have. We're going to talk about that uh, in a few minutes, mm -hmm. but that it's, it's free and they're going to get even more. So I'm, it's blowing my mind. I'm having that moment there. I, I <laughs> love it. I love it. All right. Very good. Now, here is a question, especially for those of us, we write, we're quoting scripture, we're using scripture in our books, in our blogs, in our writing. People struggle with how to cite scripture. Mm -hmm. How are they supposed to give credit? What, what are they supposed to do? Can you help us out there? Yes. So when we when we study the Bible for ourselves, we don't always put what translation we're working with. Like if we write down a verse of scripture, but when we write, we definitely need to cite it to give the translation that we're quoting from. So I'll give an example. God is love comes from first John four, eight. So if I had that in a paragraph, I would put quotation marks around God is love, or you could put it in italics but just don't use both. You would want to use both if someone is speaking in a verse, but otherwise pick one or the other. And a publishing house would probably have a style sheet that they would have a preference for one or the other. But just by default, I like to use quotation marks. So you have God is love in Q marks, and then you have your little parentheses. And it would have parentheses, 1 John 4, 8. And then I give the translation, which would be NKJV, most of the times for me, New King James Version. Ending parentheses, period. So the period goes after the last parenthesis. That's whether you have it in quotes or you have it in italics, or is it different if you have it in italics? It's the same same way to okay. cite it, whichever way. Now, where you put the period changes if it's a block quote. 
if a Bible verse is over three lines, then you make a block quote where all the lines are indented the same width. And then you just put the period inside the last quotation marks. So if I had John 3.16, it would end with have everlasting life, period, quotation marks, and then you would have your parentheses phrase. This is good. Now, when we cite scripture, when we use scripture, if we are doing a Bible study and it's a book, mm -hmm. so at the front of the book, we give credit. Mm -hmm. How do people find which scripture they can use and how to cite the credit to say, this is where I get this from? Mm -hmm. So on the copyright pages of Bibles, it will say how much we can quote without getting permission. So for New King James now, uh, we can quote up to 500 verses or no more than 500 verses. And that would also be not more than 25% of your total book. You, it, scripture can equal up to 25% of your total book. And so the websites of each of those publishers has more detail about what you would include in your book to say all scripture, unless otherwise indicated, is taken from New King James Version, and it gives the publisher info with their copyright. So you can go to the website of each publisher and find details about permission and copyright. This is great because it's on the copyright page of your book, which is closer to the front of your book to let everyone know what to expect in the scripture that you use. Mm -hmm. And sometimes we may not put the designation NKJV, but if at the copyright page we say, unless otherwise designated, all scripture mm -hmm. is New King James Version. Yes. Okay, great. All right, what else do we know about citing scripture? Anything that we should be concerned with? Yes, um, I love to follow writers on social media, and I noticed that maybe only a handful put the Bible translation on memes or in posts, and I have to remember to do that myself. So I think it would be good if we gave that acronym for whatever translation we're using to put that on uh, social media. If you look at the copyright uh, permission pages of these different publishers, they may give permission to put their scripture on digital media, like for churches, but you need mm -hmm. to give the translation. So I think as writers, it would just be good to be on the up and up and give translation even on social media. And then um, we can look at each individual translation and see, you know, how many verses do they allow in our book? And then if you uh, want to quote a whole book of the Bible, if you're writing a book study, then you can look at that publisher information and see, do I need to get permission for this? And you might need to. Okay. Now, here's another question. If they're creating a meme and they paraphrase a scripture, they put the scripture reference there, but it's not a quote. It's not a complete quote. Do they still reference the translation? Good question. If, if you put the translation, it may look like a direct quote. Right. Um, you could say paraphrase of and then put the reference. Okay. 
and put the translation to be safe. Um, and, and you can do that in a smaller text. It doesn't mm-hmm. have to be each text on a meme, but mm-hmm. so that it's there. So they understand this is it's giving credit where credit is due. This is mm-hmm. where you received it from. That sounds excellent to me. Good. You have, you have given us so much and you make me ready to go and join and be a part of the conference. And I know that that's coming up soon. So before we go to the conference, I'm going to ask you a question. Okay. This is one I've been asking a lot of my industry experts. Katie Kaufman, what brings you joy? What brings me joy? Do you have another 30 minutes? (laughs) (laughs) Um, I just, I love scripture. I love working with God to understand something. And I love hearing other people's insights of scripture. On Thursday nights, I host a Zoom group for those who would like to discuss what's in our magazine. And we invite an author to read and then they discuss the questions. And I just love that fellowship and hearing what God has taught them and hearing their stories. So I love scripture and hearing from other people and then creating art based on scripture. Um, this, this year, you know, with the pandemic, you, you have more time at home. And I've taken time to hand letter verses or hand letter quotes from people's books in my journal. And it just gives you extra time to pray through it and think on it. And it's like God writes it on your heart. So things that revolve around scripture and being with other people and art, I just love it. Mm. And I know that you do. I've, I've been able to see some of the things that you do. So I know firsthand that you do love it and you're, <laughs> and it's a genuine passion. Yes. And so I greatly appreciate that. Thank well, you. why don't you let our listeners in on what their giveaway is that they're going to find in our show notes. All right. So the giveaway is a template that you can use for any piece of your writing. It'll have on there spaces to fill in, like what is my main idea? What is the scripture I'm using? And then it has a list of ingredients that you can choose from. What is your purpose? And um, you can use it for a chapter or something shorter, like an article. So the link will be in the show notes and you can Mm -hmm. download that and copy it as many times as you want. Oh, very good. Very good. All right. Now tell us about Enrich, the Enrich Conference for Bible study writers, speakers, and teachers. Give us a down low on that. Oh, it's so much fun. So normally we're in person, but because of the pandemic, we'll be online this year and we'll start September 30th and go through October 2nd and we'll be on Zoom. We will have breaks, but on that Thursday, all day, we'll have a little mini conference on how to write Bible studies. So we'll talk more about the Bible study tools, the building blocks. How do you dance with God as you write? How do you follow his lead and work with him according to the rhythm and the music that's in scripture? Mm -hmm. And then how do you apply writing skills to Bible studies and then promote your studies? That will be all day Thursday. Thursday night, we'll have a brainstorming session. The other classes on Friday and Saturday are about repurposing your writing, using resources to spread your message, like a WordPress website, YouTube channel. Um, We will 
have time for you to practice what you're learning or discuss ideas. And we'll also have uh, a couple of sessions on giving speeches. So you could mm. give a three minute speech and get feedback on the spot. Always enjoy those. So it's just a great time of fellowship and coming together and we'll have door prizes. So that's September 30th to October 2nd. And we have all of that information in the show notes. So this is good. You have given us so much and I look forward to having you back on and you know, folks, Thank you. take, take advantage, take advantage of what our industry experts bring you. Make sure that you do go and download the items. These are free. Get them, start using them. Let what others have learned help you mold how you're moving forward in your writing. This is a perfect opportunity. Katie, it has been a joy having you on here with me today. Thank you so much for being with me. Thank you. I appreciate it. And I thank all of you friends. I do. Genuinely, I thank you. There's a lot of, there's a lot you can be doing with your time. And so I thank you for being here. I thank you for listening in. And I invite you to please just take a moment to subscribe, rate, that's the little star things, and review our podcast, our episodes, because what you have to say matters as much as what you have to write. And we're here and we're listening. This is Linda Goldfarb, and I look forward to being with you here next time on Your Best Writing Life.